Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bitly and Murata Mornings, Social Studies. Brought to you by CarolHasTheBuyers.com. Carol Royce, your home sold guaranteed realty. Time for some social studies. Here to take us through it, Sarah Cazell. And I did notice a food-related question yes, today. Wow. Look. Couldn't get through the whole week without one. No, we had to make sure that the people still recognized social studies. <laughs> they still knew what this segment <laughs> What are these questions? What? Who are these people? What are you asking me about sports? Yeah. What are we doing here? Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, so this is uh, Jarrett Carlin's final day away. That that question was for you, Jarrett. I'm sure you're listening, although he did not tweet us. He did not respond to any of the social studies questions today. So, let's jump right in. Uh, we're going to start with a temperature check for Suns fans. Vince, uh, Big pointed it out, and I agree. We're starting to sense a little bit of anxiety building. <laughs> me? <laughs> Around this series. <laughs> Listen, uh, if, you, if, you wanna, if you want to gauge Vinny's anxiety, watch watch his Twitter account during road games. That's uh, that's all we... <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It yes. gets real bad. Watch it during home game. <laughs> right, right. So, so we're just... You're not alone, Vince. I know that. We're asking our listeners to fill in the blank how they're feeling about this series. Going into this year's playoff run, so I guess not just the series, the playoff run as a whole. Going into this year's playoff run, I feel blank. I feel nothing. <laughs> no. uh, I feel anxious. I let feel... Me ex- let me explain. Yeah, too. Please, it's, no, it's, please it's do. Not, obviously, I'm a lifelong Suns fan. Mm-hmm. I want them to win a championship just about as much as anybody can. I think Al McCoy is right on the on the mark when he says, we don't know how good this team is. We really don't. We might find out and be pleasantly surprised that, hey, that 8-0 was indicative of what they're capable of doing. But why the NBA playoffs is different for me. It's not like a football playoff game where it's one and done. Yeah. You build up over four to seven games, not only anxiety for your own team doing well, but the hatred for the other team grows with mm. every passing moment because of the way the game unfolds and because of the way the players Uh react and interact with each other. It's unlike anything else in sports. You can make the same argument it happens in hockey, although I think there's less emotion, outward emotion in hockey. Uh, in the hockey playoffs and the Stanley Cup playoffs are phenomenal, but you yeah. don't get it anywhere else like you do in the NBA. That That's that building so of just ugh. going from who the hell is Jose Alvarado to I hate Jose Alvarado. Yes. Yeah. Or going from I hate Luka Doncic to I really hate Luka Doncic. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right, right. Okay, Vic, you fill in the blank. Going into this year's playoff run, you feel what? I feel that atonement and redemption is right around the corner. I feel extremely optimistic about their draw, about their chances, and I I think they're going to get to the finals. I do. I I, Listen, and I know that a a Warriors-Suns finals, everybody wants to see it. That would be... What an experience that would be. Yeah. It would have been a great experience last year. Now you throw Kevin Durant into the mix. So, but I, I I just, I think, I think they've got it. I think they've got what they need this time. And I think they've got the experience and the scar tissue and the calluses and I, the, the experience. Did I say that already? Yes, I'm repeating myself because <laughs> I never stop talking. <laughs> okay, I'll start talking. There How you about go. that? Our listeners, going into this year's playoff run, they feel blank. Caleb Gentert says nervous. 
This team has the power to blow through the playoffs in record-setting fashion, but one key injury could doom us. Bill Gentz says, I feel probably too optimistic. Brian Gronwald says he is cautiously optimistic. Same story, different movie. I just hope that M. Night Shyamalan is the producer this time and he throws in a wild twist at the end. Yeah, like the Clippers are allergic to water and yeah. they have to leave the planet. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert. Planet. Is that really the end of a movie? Someone's allergic to water and they have to leave Basically, the Basically, that was the end of Signs. Do you, know how, do you know how nuts it will make Steve Ballmer if Matt Ishbia, who's owned the team for, what, two months, mm-hmm. eliminates him from the playoffs? Yeah, that's... Yeah, and Steve Ballmer started off nuts. Yeah, right. True. Just listen to him talk about toilets. Yeah. Or yell about toilets, I guess. 1,100 toilets and urinals. And Jared Carlin's in every one of them. <laughs> More toilets than people. All right, BRDPJ says he feels confident and scared. Can't relate. That's just me on a daily basis, confident and scared. Salt Lake Caesar says he feels like Michael Conley, Mike Conley, stepping to the line for his free throws last night. (laughs) Great call. Hopeful, but a bit puckery. Yes. (laughs) And then entitled, says Daniel Woods. He feels entitled. We have paid our freaking dues, man. (laughs) All right. Let's get to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, we heard from Jonathan Gannon yesterday, Zach Ertz, and Zayvon Collins on the first day of voluntary workouts. The guys were asked all about the Cardinals. I mean, about a whole bunch of things, but including the Cardinals culture and organizational improvements after that report card from the NFLPA and... You know, just not a lot of positive things swirling around the Cardinals organization at the moment. We are asking our listeners, open-ended, what do the Cardinals need to prioritize as they overhaul their culture? You've got the new head coach, the new GM, and then, of course, the reports around Michael Bidwell right now. It's hard to say because they're in such a weird spot right now, but it has to start with standards. There's got to be a standard of performance. There's got to be a standard of professionalism. And that's that starts with the coach, I think. So I, I think that might be the biggest thing that Jonathan Gannon needs to build earlier. What What is the Cardinals standard? What is the Cardinals way, if you will, if you want to mm-hmm. steal it from New England? They really don't have one right now. And everything builds from there. Once, once players and organization members know what that standard is, they can perform up to it. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I don't know if I could uh, to add or say anything uh, different from that. I I think that it, it's it, you just got to have everybody embracing what they're trying to do, getting like getting like minded people to sign on to what they're trying to accomplish. Are there any adjectives that come to mind that you would like to see represent what the team is all about, or what their leadership is all about? okay if the answer is no. We'll go to our listeners. I mean, uh, ultimately, it morphs into winning. So, sure. you know, victorious I, would be an adjective. I, I like, I like, um, I like very violent football teams because, because I think there is a level of intimidation at play in the NFL. And I think the Cardinals have been too finesse too often in the last 20 years. So, and, and that was a word that he used that Jonathan Gannon used uh, to, to be a hallmark of his teams. They're going to be violent. So I, I want them to be, I, I want the passion to really jump off the field. Every time they play, that's what I want. Passionate. That's nice. Yeah, that's good. That's that's a good that word. That paints passionate. a picture. 
Passion jumping off the field. Absolutely. All right. Asking our listeners, what do they want to see in the Cardinals' new culture that we hope, we assume is being built right now? DJ Z says, nobody is above accountability on the field and every play throughout the game. Brad Stallings says leadership from the players. It starts with Kyler Murray, the franchise quarterback. More Buddha Bakers, please. Yeah, that would be good. Yep. Ken AZ echoes what you have said and written, Dan Bickley. Michael Bidwell needs to step aside and let a professional run the team. So you can, you know, still the owner, but have a president make more of the the day-to-day decisions. Otherwise, nothing is going to change. I don't care how many times they change the uniforms. Well, just the one time, Ken. Nathan Peterson says, no issues off of the field. We need stand-up people that support Arizona and are into Arizona. Okay, so the question again is, what needs to be prioritized with the new culture? Burrow is not buying it. He just writes, ha, 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 ha. (laughs) High hopes from Burrow. The last one from Corpse Shasta. This organization should prioritize a culture of fear. We need to make sure we're all, all we're all scared of Michael Bidwell and his. I don't understand what that is. <laughs> okay, culture of fear jokes. Corpse Shasta. All right, final question: the food question that you mentioned, uh, Vince Morata. Yes. This came up because you mentioned Bick. Baseball is moving slowly right now, or excuse me, so quickly now. I'm used to saying slow. Beer sales have been extended. That got us talking about the difference between cold beer and warm or room temperature beer. So we turned that into a food question. Foods that are fantastic when hot, nasty when they're cold, and vice versa. Great, 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 great. I'm I'm not a fan of cold pizza. I know people uh, love it. I hate it. You're so right. And I was worried about saying that because it triggers people. So some people are like, cold pizza the next day is bitter. It's disgusting. No, it's gross. It's gross. There was there was cold pizza on the countertop behind my desk when I got in today. There was? Yeah. I wasn't going to touch it. Fair enough. Uh, and the... And I'm going to go with beer for the it's got to be cold and oh, not warm. And here, people say here. that's not a food. It is when it makes up 75% of your caloric <laughs> intake. <laughs> Damn near a little Hashtag facts, people. <laughs> yes. I know we're pressed for, for time, so I'll just read this one response from Gila Cat. Hot dogs are delicious when hot. You feel like you've hit rock bottom when you eat them cold. That's a good point. <laughs> and that is so true. When you're examining your life at that point, when you bite into a cold hot dog. I yeah. guess that's why they call them hot dogs. Yeah. Right? Not cold dogs. Yeah. I never even thought Read of it. Read the instructions. Well, there was a, there was a recent... are telling you in the name. I, I don't know uh, what game it was, but somebody recently had dollar hot dog night. Did you see this? And they sold 58,000 of them. And by the end of the game, people were throwing them. It was in projectiles. Philadelphia. Is that Philly? I think so, yeah. Oh, they were throwing food into... Oh, that's... Wow, shocking. Oh, They were throwing their hot dogs at Santa Claus <laughs> at Easter Bunny, right, in while April. booing Michael Irvin. God, he's Mike of the hot dog. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Thank Thanks, you, Sarah. everybody who chimed in on us. Uh, social studies coming up next two longtime teammates will face off in this Suns Clippers series will it be a big factor we'll get into that and more next it's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports the local sports leader Bickley and Murata mornings Arizona Sports the local sports leader
Westbrook on the right wing, working on Dylan Brooks. Westbrook gets a screen from Highland to his left. Westbrook driving middle into the paint to the rim. Inside hand, finish goes down. Russell Westbrook with 34, and it's 131-122 L.A. Rebound pulled down to the Suns. First ball, give it up to Durant. Durant, three-pointer on the way. Shazam! KD. And it's a one-point Denver lead. Between now and Sunday, we'll have a lot more angles to look at as the Suns and Clippers start their playoff series on Sunday. Game 1 at Footprint Center, 5 o'clock tip. Of course, you can hear it on the Arizona Sports app and 98.7. But one of those angles we'll get into right now. Teammates for eight years. And it's weird because they both played on several teams since they left. So Russell Mm -hmm. Westbrook's played on a number of teams. Kevin Durant now on his third team since leaving Oklahoma City. But for eight years, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook were the one-two punch of the Oklahoma City Thunder that got really, really close to being a championship contender. In fact, they gave the Golden State Warriors everything they could handle, and that was the end. Kevin Durant tapped out. He went to Golden State, and what has transpired Mm -hmm. since. I'm wondering, and I'm real curious, Bick, to see what the reactions of the individuals are going into this series. Uh, Westbrook has played a pivotal role for the Clippers. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, he's been actually good. And and Kevin Durant has been outstanding in his very short sample with the Suns, but how much will that be in the heads of those two competitors in this series as it gets underway? It's a great question, and and I wonder is it is it meaningful? Does does Russell Westbrook still uh, have any residual anger all these years later toward Kevin Durant? Because Russell Westbrook was kind of left behind, and and he had a kind of toil by himself for a while. He before, was before he was traded off to Houston, and he's kind of been on a weird journey ever since. But if that doesn't happen, if Kevin Durant doesn't go to Golden State. We're not talking about, I mean, this whole other plot line of how how are so many people discounting a former MVP in Russell Westbrook? We're not having that discussion because if Kevin Durant doesn't leave, Russell Westbrook never wins an MVP in Oklahoma City. No, that's true. Let's be honest yeah, about it. That's a good point. Um, but, but you wondered if, I'm sure Russell Westbrook was a little put off in real time that, that Kevin Durant went and joined the team that just eliminated them from the playoffs. Absolutely. Uh, but that was also a long time ago. So the, I, I wonder if, if you know, Kevin Durant, if the if this narrative makes him uncomfortable. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it really has any application at all in other than the fact that that Russell Westbrook has actually found a, a decent role with this team, so he might be an impactful player in this series. Yes, and I think it's also interesting to note that late in the season when Kevin Durant went back as a member of the Suns, played against the Thunder in OKC, he got booed vociferously every time mm-hmm. he touched the basketball for the entirety of the game. And he talked about it. And he said, yeah, I kind of get it uh, at this point. You know, I, I, you know I, I meant a lot to that city. So to say that there's not going to be any thought given to this whole Westbrook dynamic, I think, would be disingenuous. I think Kevin Durant thinks about a lot of things. Yeah. And he's very aware yes. of, of how, yes. how 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 people view those things. Exactly, and he's very he's very plugged in. So yeah, that, that's what I that's where I'm getting at. It does this presence, does this matchup throw him off at all? Because he is so engaged with all that. I don't know. Um, it, it's one of many interesting things in in this series. Like I said, who who is Kawhi Leonard going to guard? Is he going to be put on Kevin Durant? And if so, what, what a matchup that's going to be. And and Vinny, you're right when you said earlier that that man on man. And defense 
and, and the schemes that they are deployed, it's it's not quite as meaningful anymore because the NBA is always about picking off your defender for a better matchup. Now, That's really how the league is built. When it comes down to end game situations yeah. in a close game, you might see more fighting through screens and less switching and things like that to optimize your defensive your, yeah. your defensive matchup. But for for the majority of the game, it's it's not as prevalent yeah. as it once was. So so maybe under those so then maybe Norman Powell gets Devin Booker under those circumstances. Well, you brought up a guy in Norman Powell that I think the Suns have to account for. Yeah, I, I, I know the Suns, you know, had had uh, you know their reserves in for the majority of that game on Sunday, but Norman Powell is a guy, and he showed it Sunday. He is relentless in getting to the hoop. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, yeah, yeah, 12, twelve buckets on Sunday, yeah. and I didn't look at the shot chart, but I'd be shocked if any more of them, any one of them, was you know more than five feet away from the hoop. The Suns were only kind of playing defense on Sunday, and and same with the Clippers, they were kind of playing until defense. the game got tight in the fourth. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. and so so, but but I do hear what you're saying, and I do think that that's going to be an issue, and and I think it's and I think as we've talked about before, I think the Suns have a real weakness guarding teams on the perimeter. But the Clippers aren't that team. The Clippers are not the team that's going to just make 12 threes a game. That's not going to happen. It's not how they play. They average a little bit more per game in terms of three-point shots made than the Suns do. Uh, Incidentally, since Durant left Oklahoma City, went to Golden State. So in that time with all the teams and all the potential matchups, Durant and Westbrook have met up 11 different times. Russell Westbrook's teams have a 6-5 advantage. Wow. Pretty surprising, okay. though, isn't it? Uh, as opponents, it'll be, West- to, it'll be at nine to seven by the time this series is over <laughs> in Kevin Durant's favor. So it's all good. Uh, Westbrook has averaged twenty-eight points, ten rebounds, and nine point three assists in those games. Durant has averaged thirty-two points, eight point six rebounds, and shot nearly forty-eight percent on three pointers in in those matchups. So maybe they are. Mo- uh-huh. I mean, those statistics would indicate there's a motivation there. To 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 do yeah. better than their former the, the, his former teammate. Yeah, yeah. And for those who don't know, the tip time on Sunday has been unveiled. It's five p.m. tip time on Sunday. The Suns have not played a home game at five p.m. all season long. They pretty much played everywhere else on the clock except five p.m. Yeah. So that will be something different. A big adjustment, no, but it'll be a little different for the players to handle. Uh, a good start is really, really what I'm just hoping for. Just you know, get, get game one. In the win column, and just then, then everything I think will fall into place. Foo Fighters will be playing Talking Stick Resort Amphitheater on October third. General on sale begins this Friday at ten a.m. You can head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com, however, for complete details and your chance to win a pair of tickets. Coming up next, D-backs going for another series win today. In fact, this afternoon against the Milwaukee Brewers, and we'll be joined by the skipper of the Arizona Diamondbacks, Tori Lovello, next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Yeah, D-back 7-5 through 12 games, going for another series win today against the Brewers in a matinee at uh, Chase Field just hours from now. And kind enough to join us here on the Arizona Sports Line, the manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks, Tori Lavello, checks in on the Arizona Sports Line. Tori, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Uh, we, we've been talking a lot about the the mentality of this team, and I, I, I don't want to make too big a deal of it because it's just one series. But going back to last weekend, 
and taking three of four from the Dodgers and really pounding them on Saturday and Sunday the way you did, Tori. Did did you notice any kind of tangible effects to the, to the mindset of your team after that series? Of course. I think um, with this young team, uh, it's going to be a series of graduations. And, you know, we we targeted uh, this particular part of the season as as something where we can make a statement. It was going to be a great test. I told the, told the guys to embrace it, go out and play our brand of baseball, not be concerned about who was across the field. And in years past, we were a little young and a little immature, and I think we would be, we'd, we'd be a little intimidated walking into, the, walking into that arena. But this team responded beautifully. They went out. They played their version of baseball that they know how to play, which is aggressive, smart, attacking style, and it translated. And we started to hit the ball. We had 33 hits over the last couple of days. I felt like we we made the statement that I was looking for, and I want that to continue. Now, when you take a look at what you guys are doing on the base paths, it's quite profound, the amount of stolen bases um, contrasted to the how many caught stealings your team has produced. I'm sure you'll take those uh, those numbers, those splits all season long. How important is that to the the evolution of this group? Yeah, I will for sure take that every single time. And, yeah, we want to steal bases at an 80, 80% success rate or above. And I think we're, we're well above that, but we know it ebbs and flows. But we're going to pick the right times in the right situations to advance 90 feet. And it's important for a couple of reasons. Obviously, you're going to get somebody in scoring position. Um, you're going to give yourself a chance to stay out of a double play. All, all the all very obvious ones. But for me, the most important piece of this this puzzle is that the pitchers start to hear the black noise. And the best ones don't, and sometimes they even do, but when they start to hear the black noise and make mistakes around home plate, trying to rush their delivery to get the ball to home plate, to try and throw a runner out potentially, and then those balls usually end up off the walls because those mistakes, those half-inch mistakes that are thrown over the middle of the zone get hit a long way by, by a major league hitter. So we, we, we love this, this style of baseball. It's kind of who I am at my core. It, 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 in years past, we haven't had a ton of speed, and we try to utilize it and do it at the right time in the right place, and it's still translated into being very successful. But this team is loaded, loaded with well above average speed, so we want to take advantage of that and study to steal bases. We don't want to just run to run. When you run into outs, it can be very, very detrimental. And a lot has been talked about, Tori, as you well know. This style of play, this mentality, the talent you have and the speed you have, mixed in with the new rules, the bigger bases, and the restrictions on how many times a pitcher can throw over. If you had to pie chart it, 17 stolen bases through 12 games, how much of that boils down to your mentality as a team? How much of it is affected by, in your mind, by the, by the new rules? Well, we feel like we were already a really fast team and very athletic. We started to show that at the back half of last year. Um, and we felt like we were going to steal bases very successfully at a very high rate, uh, at a very high number overall. But when you talk about these new rules, right, you, you, I think you're getting three inches closer to the, to, to, um, the next base, limited throwovers, as you mentioned. We felt like it fit right into us, and, and we're wearing it like a glove right now. And teams are going to have to figure out how to counterpunch us. You know, one thing that, that I know is going on in the clubhouse right now every single day that we're playing um, a team is that they're trying to figure out how to slow us down. And when you're doing that, you're, they're taking the focus off of themselves and put it on us. And to me, that's always a win. Now, I think uh, from my vantage point, tell me if I'm wrong, Josh Rojas seems to really accept the challenge you put before him uh, defensively at the end of last year. Cattell Marte, who, whose defense seemed to slip a little bit, he seems to be back um, uh, fielding the position at, a, at an above at a plus level, if you will. The infield defense in some, how important has that been so far? 
Well, you're right, and I got to give these guys some love. You're right. This is this is the closeouts in basketball, the rebounding, the slides, and all the stuff that nobody ever cares about. This is the, the these are the things that on the on on the very small level, the granular level that we focus on. And I did challenge him. I told I benched Josh Rojas last year because of his defense, and I told him when he walked in to my office the reasons why, exactly what the reasons why. And he went out there from that day forward and has continued to improve and took it through the off season. I did the exact same thing with Cattell. I said, Cattell, look. You've gotten you've gotten older, um, you've gotten stronger, but we need to make sure you have hip flexibility and you're able to move left and right as good as you have as good as you used to when you were 18 years old. And both took that to heart. They went home and worked extremely hard and came in, and, and they're excelling defensively. Once again, at my core, um, pitching a defense wins you championships. And I'm not saying we're going to win a championship. We're going to get there one day, but. Um, when that happens, I don't know. We're going to be a very good defensive team that picks up the baseball, and it adds confidence. It's totally it's a team aspect, right? A, a, a genuine team aspect. When you got a pitcher putting the ball on the ground and you're turning a double player, making a great play, you know you're you're affecting more than just yourself. So we we kind of amplify that, and we we tell them how important it is to go out there and pick up the baseball at an elite level, and it does translate. Tori Lavello, manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks, our guest here. On Bickley and Murata mornings, you talked about the defense. Let's talk a little bit about the pitching. And at the beginning of the year, you said you weren't going to name a closer. And it's kind of been by committee so far. you got three different guys that already have saves through the first 12 games of the season. And I know it's not ideal when you've got guys like Mantiply and Melanson not available to you right now. And, and now McGuff on paternity leave. But overall, how pleased have you been with that approach and the performance of the bullpen, Tori? It's a new normal for me. I'm not going to lie. Um, I was very traditional for the first several years, several years of, of managing this ball club, and I got to make adjustments too. I don't want to get caught in 1995 or 2005 or 2015. I got to evolve a little bit, and a lot of good teams are doing this. The problem has been we've had guys like Fernando Rodney and Brad Boxberger and Brad, um, and Brad Holland. Um, uh, and it, those guys were were closers. They came in as closers. They were told they were going to be closers. So I had to follow through on that. Well, this group of guys that I have, minus Andrew Chafin, who's usually been a back-end guy but not a closer, they've pitched at any time in the game, and that's what I spelled out to them. So they're kind of used to it, and there's no, been no expectation for somebody to be named a closer. And I kind of like it. I'm not going to lie. I like the idea of being able to match up and pile into the, each section of the lineup. You know, I do one through three, two through four, Four, three through five. I break it down in, in, in segments of three, not just one through three, four through six, and seven through nine. And however it lines up, they know their pocket. So when that pocket lines up, pocket lines up for them, whatever inning it is, that's where they're going to throw, and it's worked out really well. Specifically on Chafin, obviously a guy you were very familiar with as part of your bullpen uh, before he, he left, and, and now that he's back and. I think some Diamondbacks fan, he looks very comfortable in that role, and he's got kind of that mentality. It looks like it's developed, but how, how has Andrew Chafin changed since you last managed him? Well, he's always been a very comfortable, confident person. I think that's just who he is um, innately, but Walking back into this clubhouse that first day when I saw him, it was it was pretty nice to to be reunited with him. He had some great moments here, and, and what I think happened over the past couple of years since he's been gone is he's gone out and matured. And he knows how to make pitches, and he knows how to how to finish off hitters. Um, you know, he was transitioning from a starter into that reliever role. He excelled at it towards the end of his first time here with us, but now he's just a pitch maker and an out getter. Really, that's all, that's the biggest thing that's 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 changed from him. Uh, and he believes in himself, and he knows what to do 
to go out there and get the biggest outs. And once again, he's sitting there in the bullpen, and he, he and I know each other so well that he knows exactly where he's going to pitch. He knows the pocket of guys that he's going to get, and he's responded very well. I, I think it's incredibly poignant that if and when you guys do win that next World Series, that the core of this team was built by a general manager who was navigating and enduring a, a horrible personal loss that nobody would wish on anyone. Then there's you who's had to deal with, with one-year contracts and all the noise that comes with that. You did that very stoically. Is there a real connectivity for the scar tissue you guys and this organization have been through, the struggles that you have gone through? Is there something uh, fortifying about the collective experience that you guys have had? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, first of all, a great question and a great, a great statement, really. I feel like you are making a statement that I am absolutely agreeing with. Um, you know, there are some growing pains, um, not just from pl- a player standpoint, but for every single one of us. Um, you, uh, you know, you got you, you got to walk through some SHIT to get to where you're going to. And it got pretty it got pretty thick here. Um, you know, and personally, there's a there's a tragedy that was involved as well. So we have slowly been healing from all of that. And with each win and each day that passes, I think we are we are rejuvenating what's happening here on a uh, you know, day to day, month to month, and then hopefully year to year. And I agree with you. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. We have really talented players that are that are growing up before our very eyes and leading this charge. And it's up to me to just put them in the right place at the right time. Um, and just l- allow them to, to to go out and perform and have those boundaries, but perform on their on on the way they do every single day that they're out there playing free of mind and free of spirit. So good things are on the way here, and there's a lot more in the system, and it should be a really good run for us here in Arizona. Thanks. Tori, thanks so much Thank for the you, time brother. this morning. Best of luck today and on the road trip coming up, and hopefully we can chat again soon. Okay, boys. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Tori Lovello, manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks, our guest. That was on really the Arizona G-O-O-D. Sports line. <laughs> yeah, damn. D-A-M-N. Can you do that? that can you do that? I think that I interview was, just did. That interview was the exact opposite of what Tori spelled, <laughs> in my humble opinion. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> No, I'm, I'm telling you, and it, it really is an amazing thing that to, to think that this general manager built this team while losing his wife, losing yeah. his life partner. Can't even fathom it. No. Can't even fathom it. So much respect for both those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Coming up next, some final thoughts on this Wednesday. It's Bickley Murata Mornings live from the Akchin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Weekly and Murata. Song of the Day. Alright, today's Song of the Day. The Fighters of Foo. <laughs> F-O-O. <laughs> Tori Lavella could have said that. We've dealt with some F-O-O around here. <laughs> and it's getting pretty thick. <laughs> it's getting pretty thick. That was the quote of the year. So good. <laughs> Love it. Love that guy. We're going to replace since we've been talking about uh, them coming back to town in October. Got a chance to win tickets if you go to the contest page at Arizona Sports. It's all about synergy for me. So for those who uh, don't know, Salvatore Anthony Lavello, by the way, is the son of a man who was once the producer of Hee Haw. Oh, huh? yes. You didn't see? There's a lot of people who don't know this story. Yes. You remember Hee Haw? Well, no, but I know what it is. 
Oh, it's a testament to redneck television is what it is. <laughs> Sarah, before you joined the show, uh-huh. Tori Lovello played Vinny Joe Trivia against me, and the subject was hee-haw. Guess who won? I, you did? It wasn't me. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Tori knows <Wow>. his hee-haw. <laughs> Where can I find hee-haw? You can probably find it on YouTube. Is that a Netflix joint? No, no you can probably find some clips, some classic probably clips on, you, yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Tremendous. Yeah. Iconic stuff. Oh, yeah. That, I had oh, no idea. Remember those girls in the cornfield? Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, those there you go. Oh, my God, the Daisy <laughs> Dokes. <laughs> <laughs> I see corny jokes, moonshine melodies, yes. and country cuties. There yes. you go. That's that was, that That's was the show. Right. right up my alley. Right. Tori's dad responsible for that. <laughs> we got Foo Fighters going on with a, with a discussion about hee-haw. Where else are you going to find that? Nowhere. 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 There's today's song of the day. Bickley and Murata going off the grid. Off the grid. Brought to you by Sweet James Accident Attorneys. If you've been hurt in an accident, call Sweet James at 800-500-5200 or sweetjames.com. Now, we didn't want to take away time with Tori Lovello, so we pushed back the uh, Sanderson Ford poll question today. So I will give it a quick read. Outside of Kawhi Leonard and uh, Paul George, who worries you most on the Clippers? Eric Gordon, Norman Powell, Russell Westbrook, or other? That's a good question. It is good. All of those guys worry me to some degree. You can make a big case for Vitsa Zubats, who can be a handful mm-hmm. with his activity. But I'm going to vote for uh, I'm going to vote for Norman Powell. Are you cool with that vote? Yeah, absolutely. Norman Powell, the vote. Westbrook leading 34 percent. Norman Powell 29 percent. Eric Gordon 27 percent. Other 10. You can cast your vote. That's today's Sanderson Ford poll question. Uh, and you can find it on the homepage at ArizonaSports.com. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. The Yankees have been playing the Guardians in Cleveland. And the camera showed sitting next to Aaron Boone, the manager of the Yankees, a bat boy. And they're not really boys anymore. They're, they're, they're adults. Yeah. So there's a bat boy, and I'll show you the picture real quick before we play this. But it's a bat boy uh, with with long hair. Yeah, very long hair. And uh, Michael, Trevor Lawrence long. Yeah, Michael K, the announcer on TV for the Yankees, made notice of it. Strange to see a Yankee uniform and somebody wearing that uniform with that sort of hair. There are rules. Rules are rules. Disobey two of them. I think there's facial hair, and I think there's obviously the hair is below the collar. The red shoes. That's yeah. also against the rules. All right, so we're talking about the rules, and yes, uh, long blonde hair. There is facial hair. It's a mustache, which is allowed for the Yankees. They're not allowed to have beards or oh. too much scruff. Mm. But I thought this was totally out of place because it, it turns out this guy is employed by the Cleveland Guardians. He's. Yeah. he's so why should he have to adhere to the Yankees' appearance? It, Archaic, it's by the way. That's a right. uh, appearance right, thank rules. You, thank you. It, I completely because agree. Because the with next you. day, the, ca- the the cameras captured him and he had his hair tucked up into the helmet, the bat, the protective helmet he has to wear in, in that role. Yeah. Turns out he's a drummer for a band too. A band called Open Doors. Is that right? Yeah. His name's so Nate. of course he has his long name's hair. Nate. Right. What do you think Sorry, my to- excuse is? <laughs> Same thing. 
Don't get me going down this road. I mean, I, I, I deal with people who are just utterly infatuated with my hair. In a, it's, why do you care what I look like? Yeah. Well, they have what? nothing else mean to say. I'll tell the Tom Chambers story again. Yeah. After the Mad Ishbia press conference, Tom Chambers sought you out and said, Bickley, what do you got going on here? What's the end goal? And your response was, why do you care? Right. What, TC is the keeper of hair now? <laughs> no, he just he just likes to... He, he likes to bust it. Oh, okay, so. okay. Oh, he, but Michael yo, K. Was and he does serious. it about as well as anybody. Yeah, right, exactly. Which is weird. But again, it's it, right. Why okay. are you? Why do you care what a ball boy looks like? Yeah. Are you the keeper he look of like the you? Yankees? Thank you. I used call to, the game. Just because I choose to keep this this mess high and tight doesn't mean everybody should have to. Let's stop being so judgy, people. Yes. Aaron Judge, Mike Judge, Judge Judy. Here goes the judge, Judge Wapner. Here comes the judge. <laughs> Let's get out of here. We are, out of, we are out of control. We've been out of control. Judgey Judgerson. Big, big, big round of applause for young Lauren, by the yes. way, everybody. Thank you, Lauren. So here's a programming reminder. Yeah. Dead air, gas, <laughs> three commercials playing at the same time. Will commence tomorrow morning at 6. <laughs> Food stuck in between the keys. Thanks to Al McCoy and Tori Lavella for joining us. We'll catch you tomorrow. Wolf and Luke up next here on Arizona Sports.